Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. The book of John, chapter 6, verse 68, reads as follows. But Simon of Peace, Peter, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Based on what I've just read to you, I want to talk to you from this subject. I find value in following the omniscient God. I find value in following the omniscient God. We received our theme New Year's Eve following the omniscient God. And we received it. Then on our first Sunday together, we talked about what was the the importance of having a God. Because it is truly important. Why? It's important to know why would God want to give us a God. And as we continue to learn more about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're getting a greater understanding as to why he saw the necessity of us having an all-knowing God. One that will show us the way. One that will direct us and give us instructions. So in turn, he can teach us, instruct us, and direct us through the situations of life based on John 16 and 13. Excuse me. Of course, John 16 and 13. Let's go there real quickly. I just want to read it to you just real briefly. Reads as follows. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So as we continue to allow the God to guide us and to direct us, we'll be developed in the ways of God. We'll continue to be established in the ways of Jesus. And, of course, as we learned this morning in Sunday school, he'll correct us with love. And we thank God for the love that he has for us. And then as when we abide in his word, in the word of God, we are known as his disciples, according to John 8, 31 and 32. And his truth will continue to make us free. As we remain in the word of God, we're, as we stay connected to Jesus, and not just stay connected, but to apply what we learn on a week, on a day-by-day basis. We just don't learn it on Sunday, but we don't apply it on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and so forth. But we apply it on a day-by-day basis. And as we do, truth will continue to free us. It's going to free us from anything that will try to hinder us from the will of God. It's going to free us from bondages that will try to stop us from doing what thus saith the Lord. And many of us have been a witness to that because God has continued to establish us and to develop us in the ways that God will have for us to go. And when he, as he does that, we see the importance of the word of God in our lives. In fact, we there are many things that we could go after in life. There are many alternatives that we could go after, but we choose to follow Jesus. We choose to follow Jesus. We choose to follow Jesus. We choose to follow his word, his ways. So we we abide in the word of God. We remain in. We don't depart from it. We can't depart from Jesus. This word is too important for us to depart from it. We learn that if we did not live by the word of God, our life will be a mess. And that's why Jesus loves us in such a way that we, we choose to stay connected to the word of God. And as we do, I want to look at something that 
John 6 gives us in the court. Let me go and put this out before you. I can't read everything in John 6, but I want to share a few nuggets that I believe the Lord has given me to share with us today. In John 6, we can see the power of Jesus' ministry on the earth uh, as he was healing the multitudes. I want you to notice John chapter 6 and verse 2. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. So Jesus performed miracles and he performed signs on those that were sick, those that were diseased, as the scripture says. And a sign is an unusual occurrence. And what I thought about that I believe it was unusual because they had never seen anybody do what Jesus did. They were used to people going to the doctors and standing in line at doctors and taking medicine. But now they see Jesus laying hands or speaking or doing whatever he did in order to heal people. It was unusual for them to see something like that in the time that they were living in because Jesus is a powerful God. How many know that Jesus can heal any matter of sickness and disease that's come against your body? I mean, Jesus, he'll do something unusual. The doctor would tell you to take medicine a certain time or do this certain thing. But Jesus will tell you to do something that may be unusual to the world's standards, but very common to him. And when you walk by faith and not by sight, you will see unusual things happen in your life. And you'll see things that are miracles. And in fact, I, in fact, we ain't got to go to just when you're challenging your body, we see the power of Jesus at work in us when people, and that's why when people see us with a changed life, when people see us, we used to cuss, but we don't cuss anymore. We used to lie, but we don't lie anymore. We like going to church. We like praising God. We like giving. We like helping people. We, we weren't always like this, but God changed us for the better. And a changed life is the one of the greatest witnesses to the miracle work of God in your life. Oh, a changed life. I'm talking about a life that used to be unholy but loves holiness now. A life that used to not like prayer but like praying now. A life that used to be hateful but shows love now. A changed life for the better. And I can look around this sanctuary and I can see many of you who are changed for the better. In fact, look around real quickly and look at those changed life. Changed brothers, changed sister, and it's changed for the better. When people see the power of Jesus working in people's lives, they will follow him. They will come and see what changed you. What changed you for the better? What caused you to be who you are? Why do you have peace in the middle of what you're going through right now? Why you got joy in the middle of what you're dealing with right now? Why is it, are you happy when I look at your circumstance and your situation and I wouldn't be happy in that, but you seem to be happy despite what you're in right now? How many folks can say they're happy this morning? Woo-wee. Look around at those hands. There are some happy saints in the sanctuary. And that ain't always been like that. But you know, Jesus changed you. And so turn, you are happy now. In a hostile environment, but you happy. Lord, on a job that you don't necessarily love, but you happy. You in a home, home may not be going everywhere you wanted to, but you still happy. Oh, because why? Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. And that's unusual occurrence in the lives of some people. And as Jesus began to heal people, and I can imagine that that as he was healing people, 
People would get healed or they would see the healing. They would go back and tell others about the healing power of Jesus. They would go and tell others that Jesus just healed uh, that person that had that disease and that person who the doctor gave up on it. And Jesus was healing all manner of stuff. They didn't even know what was wrong with people. They didn't have no technical name. They just said, you know, something wrong with that person right there. But Jesus has healed their body and they will heal. They will go and tell others about the healing power of Jesus. And guess what happened? All of a sudden they had about 5,000 people that were there because they heard about Jesus. 5,000. And in one instance, the Bible talks about that when they, the 5,000 were there, that does not include the children or the women. But you see, they had over 5,000 people. And it came because they heard about the healing power of Jesus. And in fact, they not only did they hear about it, they knew about it. Because when people see a changed life, they want to know what's going to be the difference. Because some people want to change. Now, you'll have some people that are jacklaced and want to change. But there's some people that really want to change. They want their life to be better. And who better to change their life than Jesus? Who better to change their life to G- than Jesus? And we need to introduce them to the Savior that will change their life to the better. And so we find out that when 5,000 people got together, there was no concession stand. There was no place they could get something to eat at. So Jesus had to feed them. We see in John 6, chapter 10 through, uh, 10 through 14, Jesus began to feed the multitudes. And can you imagine? But I, I would I would imagine that G would have got a big big fishing boat and they said, let's let's cook all these fish on this boat to feed all them people. But you know what God did? He went and found a boy with a lunch. The boy had a lunch of five loaves and two fish. And guess what he began to do? He took that five loaves and two fish and began to feed the multitudes. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus did not feed them himself. He called the disciples to go around and feed the multitudes. He said, get these people together so they can in turn feed the multitudes. As you notice that Jesus was meeting their needs and teaching the disciples how to minister to their needs. Notice, one thing I thought about from this standpoint, the disciples had to learn how to minister to the people. Because... Jesus is going to be leaving in a short time from now. And so the, pe- the disciples are going to have to learn how to minister to people. They were the ones that are going to be with the people during their trials and their tribulations. They won't be with the people when they, when they had to learn how to grow and develop and learn how to follow the Holy Spirit that was given on the day of Pentecost. So Jesus had to teach the disciples how to have compassion on the people. He had to teach them. So as they as he taught them, he knows when they when he called them to do what they did, they divided them up and said, Now disciples, you need to feed these people. Now what I thought about from this standpoint, they had to go to the same lunch pail to get the food that they did. Can you imagine? They could they couldn't run to a different lunch pail because the anointing wasn't on that other lunch pail. The anointing was on the five loaves and the two fish. And those five loaves and two fish fed five over 5,000 people. And so the disciples had to run. I can imagine they were running. They would take it. They would run to to where the five loaves and two fish was and grab it and take it to another group and take it to another group and take it to another group and take it to another group. group. The, The disciples were ministering to the people. And everybody who ate, they were satisfied. I can imagine, because I like fish, 
But you know what? I can imagine taking five loaves and two fish and feeding over 5,000 people with it. I sometimes we would take certain meals and, and I remember a time when my wife and I used to witness to people and, and we would go shopping at warehouse groceries and, and then we would get some hot and then we have I would be I'll, I'll be knocking on doors and she'd be knocking on doors and I, we invite people over to eat. We didn't have much food already, my brother. And so I can imagine can you imagine feeding other folks when you ain't got much food? I seen the Lord multiply food time and time again because he wanted to make sure the people were satisfied. And then we would have Bible study with them because I seen God multiply food when you have a heart to do ministry. When you got a heart to see people saved. When you got a heart to show the love of Jesus to people. God will multiply your resources in order you to meet the need. Oh, I should have had two or three amens in the sanctuary. Because when you're out ministering to people, God will multiply resources in order to meet needs. And that's what he did. He did. And so when they saw him, they said, truly, this must be a prophet. This is the one that that was uh, the prophet that was to come into the world. This is the one who is the interpreter of hidden things. He's the one who foretelling a future events. He was moved by the Holy Spirit to instruct, to comfort, to encourage, to rebuke, to convict those who had, uh, those who had come. And excuse me, he was the one who came into the world to minister, and they call him the prophet. Now, the following day. Jesus was reconnected back to the because remember that. Let me say this to you. He had finished ministering to the 5,000, but all the 5,000 did not leave that day. They, uh, but Jesus had to go and uh, get refreshed. He had to rest. I can imagine you ministering to uh, 5,000 people. You got to get refreshed. You got to be uh, to get your situation back together. And so the next day, the following day, Jesus reconnected back to the multitude uh, as he, the ones he fed with the five loaves and the two fish. As we see here in John chapter 6, verse 20 through 22 through 27, when he's reconnected, he was joined back together with them. He was reunited with them. And then it's a blessing to have uh, to find value in following and remaining connected to our all knowing God, because I see the. The individuals in the text, they were want to be reconnected to the one who had did the miracle in their life. And, and it's good to know that we can come back midweek and midweek and, and Sunday after Sunday in order to be reconnected back to Jesus. I know we don't re- re- disconnect with him during the week, but I'm talking about sometimes you just need a refreshing, a reconnection back to God. That's why we meet together, forsake not the similar of ourselves together as the man of some is. Oh, we got to be reconnected back to Jesus. And then Jesus began to, they came looking for Jesus and they began to, uh, Jesus, uh, discern their faults. He discerned what was going on in their life. He began to explain to them they were following him because they ate of the loaves and they were filled. And they were satisfied when they ate the fish and the loaves. In fact, the Bible talks about how they ate and they were filled. They were satisfied. But Jesus wanted them to go a little bit deeper in the context. Because nothing wrong with having your needs met naturally. In fact, I thank God for my needs met naturally. How many thank God for your needs met naturally? How many thank God for gas in the car, groceries, and I mean all the good stuff? How many thank God when you're hungry, you got food to put, hey amen, you can cook what you want to. Let's be honest with you. How many thank God you cook what you want to? How many thank God that even though if you don't like what's in the kitchen, you need to go to the drive-thru? I, I got some real folks in I know some of y'all have said, I ain't eating that damn, give me to it with the drive-thru. And you went to the drive-thru and got it. I mean, you, you, that's, that's a blessing. 
But Jesus said, don't be just satisfied with natural food. Because the disciples, excuse me, the followers at this particular time, they were satisfied with natural food. So he explained to them, he said, you said, let me say this. The miracle was great. The miracle was fantastic. The miracle was a miracle. We do not dis, uh, we do not, uh, devalue the miracle. But I believe that Jesus did not want them to be satisfied with natural food. We wanted to be filled with the spiritual food that would carry them into eternity as explained to them in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Go to Matthew 5 and verse 6. Because they were, they were looking for more fish and loaves, it seemed to be. But Jesus said, hey, don't be looking for me for the fish and the loaves. I need you to be more concerned about the spiritual food. That's why it says in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. They shall be what? Satisfied. They shall be complete. When you hunger and thirst after Jesus. And then the, uh, we read in John chapter 6, verse 28 through 31. The, the rabbi, in fact, came to Jesus and said, they asked Jesus the question, what sign will you perform or what work will you do that we would know to follow him? And, and I can imagine Jesus would look at them a little funny when they, they said that. So what, I got to perform, I got to perform for you before you follow me. I got to work for you before you follow me. I, I can imagine Jesus might be a little bit offended if he wasn't who he was. Because remember now, hey, if we're going to follow you, I need for you to perform. Like Jesus is a a, a puppet, you know, a, a, they got Jesus on the string. Hey, Jesus, I want you to perform for me. Jesus, I need for you to work for me. Jesus, I, in fact, I, I know they don't want you to work. I want you to perform in such a way that you produce something that I want you to produce. I want you to carry out my will, not your will, but my will in this situation. I want you to make something that I like, not what you want for me to have. And we got to be careful because we have that same type of attitude that we ain't careful. We'll want Jesus to perform for us. We'll want Jesus to work for us. And so if not, then will we still follow him if you don't, we don't get our prayers answered the way we want? Will we still follow him and still pray to him if he don't do what we want him to do in the matter we want him to do with him? Will we continue to give if God doesn't bless us with that good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over? He don't do it just like that. Will we continue to give? Will we not recognize that God is still loaning us daily with benefits, even though it's, it's not the benefit we're looking for? Will we not? Will we continue to give God glory and praise Him and magnify Him on Sunday, even though the, during the week it was a rough week? Will we still are willing for God to perform? And work like the rabbi was. Not only the rabbi, but others in that particular situation. And so that's why it's essential that we focus more on our relationship with our Savior rather than on the signs and the works. We gotta listen, we gotta remain connected to Jesus. We gotta be linked to Jesus. We gotta be bonded to Jesus because a strong relationship will guide you during good and challenging time. And and if God does not do it in our timing, we are still followers. If he don't do it in our timing, we are still followers. We will not, listen, I'm not interested in folks that want God to perform or turn a cartwheel or turn a trick. And if he don't, then I can't follow him. Something wrong with that picture. 
Something wrong with a picture that if God don't do certain things, I'm going to stop following him. Oh, I, I beg to differ. Jesus did enough back on the cross at Calvary to last us a lifetime. Listen, when he got, when he was sacrificed, his life, he took the cat in my tail, he took the nails in his hand, he took the crown of thorns, he was nailed to the cross for your sins as well as mine, he got back up three days later, he has paid the price, he has paid the ultimate price. He sacrificed for each and every one of us. And now if God don't perform, or if he don't do a work, then we can't follow him. Oh, well, no, we will not be a fish and loaves church. Yeah, if we get the fish, fine. If we get the loaves, fine. That's fine. But we will not be those that follow Jesus just because of the fish and the loaves. We're going to follow him because we love him. And it was, there, are, there are other alternatives, alternatives that we could choose, but there's no better choice than Jesus, in our opinion. I'm telling you, I could follow, we can go to a guy, we can go to a soothsayer, we can go to a root worker, but we're not going to none of that stuff. We're going to follow Jesus. And we, listen, if Jesus do it, we're fine. If Jesus don't do it, I'm still going to give him the glory. Because I know God is still able to do it. I'm like the three, I'm like the three boys that say, listen, God, if God don't deliver us from the fire, he is still able in order to do it. God will follow you, Jesus, no matter what. Oh, I'm about to get, get, get ahead of myself. Let's move a little bit further. Well, as we commit to our, our following our missing God, we will be faced with moments we may not fully understand his methods, directions, or his purpose. And it's interesting because that same person that asked him this question had a discussion with Jesus. They said, Jesus, Jesus told him, I am the bread of life. He told him, I'm the bread of life. And, and then they went on to question, who, who is this? this? This Joseph's son, this Mary's son. How in the world can he be the bread of life? Talking about if fathers ate me when I was in, they was in the wilderness and so forth, when they ate manna and so forth. And he said, how can this man say he was, he's here today and he was supposed to be being back then during the days of our forefathers. And Jesus went, let me say this to you. Sooner or later, Jesus going to say something to you that's going to cause you to be, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself just for a moment, but let, let me drop this on you real quickly, that you're not going to quite understand. You're not going to quite understand. Because he began to have a conversation with the rabbi as well as others who were listening to him at that time. And they began to question him. He says, I am the bread of life. And they wonder, how can he be the bread of life? How can he be the bread of life? I mean, this is, this is Mary's son. This is Joseph's son. How can he be the bread of life? Going to read in John 6 and 41, we observe that people were beginning to oppose Jesus' sayings and begin to complain about his teaching. You notice that they begin to oppose, they begin to resist, become hostile, or go against Jesus' saying, and begin to complain, to grumble. And I like this definition. They, they begin to confer secretly about his teaching. And let me say this we must be prepared for others who may try to oppose us when it comes to us to re, excuse me, uniting in the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we, we act. That's why I see in John 53, 50, 50, excuse me, John chapter 6, verse 53 through 59, I want you to notice what Jesus said. I'm going to read one, one verse of that scripture, John chapter 6, verse 53 through 59. He goes on to say pretty much the same thing or in a different manner, but I like what he says here, 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, 
and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is strength indeed. Now, you can't receive that with a carnal mindset. Because he's saying something spiritual, but they're listening to it with a carnal mindset. Because they're looking at Jesus as a natural man. And if you look at Jesus as a natural man, when he makes a statement like that, you've got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Like, oh, Lord, this must be a cult right here. Because let's face it, today there are cults that got this same type of right there. There are cults not just all over the world, but right here in the state of Georgia that has that type of mindset. And just where you got to pray for your children. You got to watch what your children are thinking, talking, and acting. Because they can get caught up in a cult like this, and you won't even know it. They'll be socializing with them on social media, and you don't even know. Therefore, if they're in your house, you better get nose and find out what's going on with your child's life. What? They got privacy in their room. They ain't paying no rent. You pay for that internet. You pay for their phone. See what's going on up in there. Tell me, I can't give you my password. What? <laughs> you better know what's going on in your child's life. That's why I, you better have every child you can in the house of God receiving what you receive so you know what they're being taught. So you know what they're being taught. It ain't, listen, I, I don't worry about what my children mean. They know what they're teaching. And you got to know what your children are learning and what, because it, it affects the way they think, the way they talk, and the way they act. The next thing you know, you got strange fire in your house. Like, where'd they come from? Well, the enemy. But no, Jesus, they, when Jesus made this statement, he wouldn't make it to confuse them. He was trying to bring clarity to what he was talking about. And so he says this, I want you to eat, consume his flesh and drink his blood. Eat means to consume his flesh. Now, I'm, I'm going to miss you just in just a moment, but his flesh was really, he was talking about the word of God. And his blood was... The blood represented the redemption plan. Basically that, that when God shed his blood, there was, there is remission of sins or forgiveness of sins. We'll talk about that a little bit ago. But when you first hear it, if you were the natural, natural carnal minded, you're like, this man don't went crazy. I ain't finna drink his blood or eat his flesh. But that's why you can't, that the natural man is difficult for him or her to understand. And itself. They don't comprehend it, they don't perceive it, and they definitely did not learn what he was trying to teach them. That's why it's important when we read in John 6, chapter 6, verse 60 through 66. Look what happened. Many disciples considered this a hard saying. A hard saying, for they did not comprehend what he was saying. It was harsh, it was stern, they consider it intolerable. This is a hard saying. This is a hard saying. You know what? uh, In fact, many of the disciples reading this particular text began to stumble and they stopped following Jesus. They stopped following Jesus. Why? They were offended at his teaching and they went back. Back simply means they no longer follow. They no 
longer follow. See, when you see a text like that, I would tell you that following Jesus is easy. It's going to be simple. You ain't going to have no opposition along the way. But I've learned that when you're following Jesus, you're going to be offended every now and then. You ain't going to understand everything that goes on in the kingdom of God. But you got to make up in your mind you're going to follow Jesus regardless. That's it, sis, no matter what. My grandma used to say this, her, his mother. It takes a well-made-up mind to serve the Lord. That was a favorite saying to me. He said, son, it takes a well-made-up mind to serve the Lord. I'm telling you, you got, your mind got to be made up because life going to bring you opposition. You think because you're on the Lord's side, you ain't going to experience no more trouble or pain or so forth. Something going to happen to you, you ain't going to understand it. You can't even put a finger on why this happened. Why is this happening to me? But you still got to follow Jesus. Why am I going through this financial trial? You still got to follow Jesus. I've been praying for this to take place. It hasn't happened yet. You still got to follow Jesus. I don't understand God. You still got to follow Jesus. One other thing before we get dive into the different aspects of following, God began to deal with me. You know what, son? Before people understand, they need to understand, follow me. Sometimes they're going to be offended. They're going to go through hard trials and tribulations. They still got to follow me. They still got to follow me. Like in the text here, listen, they were offended. Sometimes you're going to be, listen, can I be real with y'all? Don't get mad when I say this, y'all. And please, please understand what I, I, I say this out of love. Sometimes you will be offended at things that I do. I ask you to forgive me in advance, okay? But I'm trying my best because I got to follow him too. I, listen, you know one thing, what you got to know about God. And what the disciples and the people that were following, what they had a problem with was, is that J- Jesus was in human form. And they and say what happened is they got used to other people in the church doing what they did. Remember the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Levites and all those different ones, every different group. They were human beings. Human beings make mistakes. But God says, follow, you know, Jesus told, uh, Paul told them in the book of Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ. This is a part of the process. And so many of them went back. Back simply means they no longer follow. They no longer follow. They walked with him no more. Now, we have to grow from being easily offended because it hinders us from being great. Easily offended people spend more time focusing on themselves rather than how they can receive guys on how to become better. You know that offended folks have a hard time following? Because I'm going to tell you something. Anybody you follow, sooner or later, you're going to be offended by. They, sometimes they don't do it on purpose. I remember one time God showed me a lesson. And this is, this is me personally. When I was um, years ago, I say years ago. Everybody say years ago. I was following a person so much that I took my eyes of Jesus in the person and start looking at the human in the, the human person. When you start looking at the human in the person, you're going to see some stuff that you're not necessarily going to agree with. 
That's how you know you're following in the wrong manner. Every time they do something, you always know it's the human part of them, but you never understand the God part of them. You're always going to fall. They're going to always mess you up. I, learn from me. Do not make my mistake, everybody. Don't make my mistake. Humans, this, this Holy Ghost is wrapped up in a human body. The human body, well, the flesh, excuse me, the spirit is willing, but the what? Flesh is what? There you go. Scripture just puts it in plain view, don't it? And so when you follow the human being, humans going to do some stuff. That's why we have leaders to help us all get developed. Thank God. For, that's why Jesus had to teach his disciples uh, how to minister to the, the human beings when he, when he told them, listen, I need you to take these fish and, keep, and feed these 5,000 folks, five loaves and two fish. He was teaching them how to minister to people. And you got to learn how to minister to people. Because Jesus didn't die for this building, y'all. Jesus died for people. Jesus died for people. He tells us together in the building, but he died for people. And thank God for people. Now, we gotta, we must learn how to manage our feelings and emotion when we hear the truth. Because truth is what releases us from the bondages within us. Remember how we talked about earlier? Truth will make you free. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. Truth will make you free. Truth has also what we call creative power. God will use truth to create what he wants in your life. He will use truth to create a husband in you. He will use truth to create a wife in you. He will use truth to create a deli- somebody who's been delivered. He will use truth to make you into that prosperous, anointed, Holy Spirit-filled individual he called for you to be. Truth will create some things. Do you know the truth will create a millionaire inside of a, excuse me, with a poverty account? Truth will create, amen, somebody who that used to think in a negative manner to somebody that just thinks their way happy in every situation and circumstance. Truth will take somebody who wanted to commit suicide and to give up on life to make them enjoy life. When he said Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Truth will create things. Truth will create things. When we look at this particular text and we read, that's why I believe Jesus knew the significance of our need to have knowledge and his word because, because his word became flesh and dwelt among us based on John chapter 1 and verse 1 and verse 14. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 reads as follows. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Everybody know that in the beginning was the word, right? And you see in the text, and the word was with God, and the word was who? God. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. And the word became what? And the word became what? And notice what it did. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when he said, eat my flesh, he said, consume my word. Consume my word. So but carnal minded folks says, he want me to eat his natural flesh. No, spiritual minded folks said, oh, he want me to consume the word. Because man can't live, man can't live by bread alone. 
Yeah, them lows are good, but I need the word of God. I need the word for the way I think, the way I talk, and the way I act. I need the word to help me to develop my thinking to be more prosperous. I need the word to help me to develop in my prayer life. I need the word to develop me in the way I study scripture. I need the word to help me because my my life is dependent upon it. I, I need the word. of God. Everybody say, I need the word of God. So when you, when you got the word, you know, you're no longer offended so easily. You're not focusing on uh, going back. You're not looking at saying this is a hard saying. You say, oh, because even when it's a little tough to digest, you're like, I'm going to keep on chewing. Somebody say, I'm going to keep on chewing. Look, somebody tell them, you need to keep on chewing. Keep on chewing, because when you keep on chewing, eventually it, it'll digest. That's what that meat does. See, see, meat will cause you to digest. And meat will cause you to grow up and to mature in the word of God and the ways of God. That's why the word of God must become food to our mind, our will, and our emotions. We have to consume it daily because it nourishes us, supports us, so forth and so on. But it does not only that our spirit, man. It also helps our mind, the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we act. Helps our will to become in line with the word of God. Not my will, but your will be done. And it definitely puts our emotions intact. You can tell some, listen, I can tell with some of y'all in the sanctuary. And all y'all can tell when I have neither, have not consumed the word like we need to. Mm, look at everybody and say, I know you ain't consumed the word like you're supposed to. Mm. Some of y'all afraid to say it. Some of y'all look at them like, yeah, I know you ain't consumed the word like you supposed to. Hallelujah. So it's important that we do that. Now, we must, under, must also understand the importance of power and power of his blood, which cleanses us from the guilt, condemnation, and penalty of sin. So we made that statement about drink my blood. See, it had, the blood got the power to cleanse us from guilt, condemnation, and the penalty of sin. His blood got power, y'all. Woo-wee. Natural blood. Listen, natural blood ain't got no power. But God's blood. Who shined out? Would you sing a song? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other foul I know that makes me as white as snow. It's got to be his blood. His blood that was shed back on the cross at Calvary. Let me get out of that because I... Failed that one. But that's what it does. It also means, according to Hebrews 9 and 22, that we can have remission of sins. When you have remission of sins, that means you've been released from the things that hold you in bondage. You know what's, what's great about God? You can mess up two hours ago and ask God to forgive you. And he will pardon you of your sin. See, if you part, you ain't never, if you, this is the thing. Some of y'all can relate to this, but I'm going to talk about me just a little more. Can, can I talk about me? I was guilty. It wasn't like they made up evidence. They had the evidence. They had the very thing that they needed. They had the fingerprints. They had the DNA. They had all that, uh, uh, what's that scientific stuff they use? They did a CSI, crime investigator. They had all the evidence they needed. They had video. They had uh, all the evidence they need. I was guilty. I was on the way to pay my the price for the sin. I couldn't pay it. So it would have cost me my life. And so I was like, whoo. And I couldn't deny it. 
everything I tried to deny, they had a witness, they had DNA, they had they had that social security number, they had my handwriting analysis, they had it all. Me, I ain't talking about none of y'all, because I know y'all y'all probably did stuff I did. But you know what happened? Jesus said, I take the prize. You shine that up on CK. But Jesus, I'm guilty. I did it. I was wrong. I, I messed up. I did it. He said, No, I take the I will pay the price for the thing that you've done. And so since even though I was guilty, he says, I will pay the price. Because you can't pay this price. If you paid this price, you will miss, you will be separated from me forever. But I love you. I want to, I want to connect with you. I want to be with you forever. I want, I want you to love, I want to love you the rest of your life. I said, God, I'm not worthy to be loved like that. But he said, you know what? I know you're not worthy, but because of the blood I shed back at Calvary, you are worthy to be, good God Almighty, I feel that thing for the remission. Pardon, forgiveness, and I was guilty. Whoosha. Mm. It wasn't no, it was, listen, it wasn't nobody faking. I was the one drinking. I was the one lying. I was the one cheating. I was the one in unforgiveness. I was the one in pride. I was the one in jealousy. I was the one, I was offended. I was everything. It, listen, they had enough evidence to throw away the key, my brother. They had enough evidence, but Jesus said, I paid a price. That's for, I love what they said, one woman said. It, it, when you do a little, you're like, okay, well, see, they 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 do a little thank you, but when you man forgiven of a lot, you got a lot to be thankful for, and I got a lot to be thankful for. Woo! How many got a lot to be thankful for in the sanctuary? Woo. How many were like me? You you ain't got to tell nobody, but you raise your hand. Won't nobody see your hands up? Me? How many of us, us were guilty in the sanctuary? Don't look, cause just look, just look. Yeah, we was all guilty, right? But Jesus forgave us. That's the remission of sins. That's why you say when you drink my blood. That's why you're refreshed. That's why you say, Woo, I'm pardoned, I'm forgiven. Because of the blood that was shed. Hallelujah to God. Now, remember all this is going on. Everything he just said. He said, I want you to told the is um the ones around him. I want you to drink my blood. Eat my flesh. All right. Now, Peter heard the same thing too. Peter heard the same thing too. But Peter chose to follow Jesus regardless of his personal offenses. Notice what Jesus said in, in, in John 6 and 68. Our scripture for the morning. But Simon Peter answered him. Because remember now, he, he came back to him and, uh, People started to leave him. I'm talking about in the natural. They left him. They were offended. They was upset. They, I, I'm gone. This man I lost. I finna eat his blood or drink his blood or eat his flesh. I finna go. I'm out of here. This man got a cult going on. I've heard some strange teach from the Pharisees and Sadducees. But at least I can make sense. Have a half of it. Never heard anything like this before. Yeah, I know I ate his fish the day before. Yeah, I know it is lows the day before. Yeah, he healed my, my, my baby the day before. But I'm still leaving him. Isn't it amazing? You can eat his fish and his lows, and God can heal your body, and the next day you can be offended. The next day, good God, I ain't talking about a week from now, months from now, the next day you can be upset, hard, not hardly understanding what he's saying. Peter 
heard it too. Because he asked the disciples, will you also leave me? Will you also stop following me? Peter response is what we want to focus in and I close him. Our last few minutes to close him. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Oh my God. Now, in my personal opinion, I don't think Peter understood everything he said. Peter was uh, a natural minded man, y'all, while he walked on the earth. Uh, in case you did not know, when you study scripture, Peter, he, he would. Y'all know Peter a little bit later on would cut somebody's ear off, right? Cut it off. Not, not nip it. He had a knife and he used it. He cut the man's ear off. Jesus took the same ear and put it back on the man's face. A little bit later on, that same Peter denied Jesus three times. In fact, the Bible says that he actually was cussing Why, when they, that lady asked him that third time. He got so upset. So don't think Peter wasn't no joke, y'all. So you read something like that, don't just look at Peter. Well, Peter was real spiritual. Well, you got to prove it to me then. Because <laughs> later on, we saw the, uh, Peter, well, I ain't going to say like none of us in the sanctuary, but hallelujah, you know how it goes sometimes. Um, Peter said, where are we going to go? You got the words of eternal life. Where, you, where are we going? Where am I going to go? Where am I? How am I going to start following you? Because, let me read what I, something I wrote down. I, I want to make sure you get it. Well, Peter chose to follow Jesus regardless of his personal offenses, lack of understanding, difficult with his teaching and observation of others who start following. Because remember now, Jesus was teaching and everybody, the people, 5,000 folks had dwindled down. Folks were leaving, quote unquote, the church that was established by this particular place. They were leaving. They were walking out. They were gone. They were leaving. They were leaving. I can imagine they were leaving by the drove. Watch this. People that Jesus had helped, they were leaving him. Y'all think that don't happen today? The very people that God will use the church to help, they will leave that very church that God used to help them. They'll say something wrong with that church right now. Because they don't do things the way they were offended. They were complained. One definition I, I, I looked up was they started having little, basically had little meetings in secret. And they were talking about Jesus. About what was going on in his church. That man talking about eating his leg, drinking his blood. Ooh, can you imagine around the dinner table how they were talking? They, 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 they were probably, I can't imagine. This is my imagination, y'all. I imagine they were eating his fish. Picking the bones out, talking about it at the same time. They, they were taking that load they had that he had just fed them with, dipping it in whatever they had. Jesus talking about all that kind of stuff. I'm the bread of life. 
and I was with your fathers in, in the desert in, in the Old Testament, talked about him. And still eating his food at the same time. Boy, you ain't live long enough somebody talking about you and don't like you, but still eat your food at the same time. <laughs> Let me give you three things. Let me give you three things. Three things we learned from what I learned from Peter. Let me say what I thought about this when I learned it from Peter. Peter could have left, went another way. He could have went been the rest of them and left. He could have, not only could he have left, he could have said, you know what? This ain't what I thought it was. And left. Because he, he may, I don't think he fully understood. I think he probably might have been offended, but he said, you know what? I'm not going to let this offend me. You got to choose to follow Jesus. You got to choose to follow Jesus. One, Peter comprehended that Jesus had the word to save him and lead him to everlasting life. The word to deliver him, the word to protect him, and the word to cause him to prosper. He said, where, where can I go? You got the words to everlasting life. And we got to make up my mind. We're going to follow the omniscient God. We got to know he's leading us to everlasting life. He is leading us to everlasting life life. Number two, Peter saw that Jesus, Peter saw Jesus as the most valuable person or idea or thought in his life. Peter gave great worth to what Jesus said. Listen, there were, there were individuals around the camp. The rabbis were talking. He didn't put no value in what the rabbi said. He didn't put no value in what other preachers and teachers were saying because they were all in and contrary to what God was saying. These people were offended. And let me say something. Offended people will say things to bring about a disconnect from Jesus. Not only a disconnect from Jesus, a disconnect from your local church. A disconnect from your auxiliary. A disconnect from the saints of God who are helping you the most. People that are praying for you, giving you truth. Offended people would disconnect. And they'll say something wrong with you. But Jesus, excuse me, Peter valued. He put a high importance upon his ideas, his thoughts, and the person himself. He was valuable. You got to make Jesus the most valuable thing in your life. Listen, I have no other God before me. You got to be like that when it comes to Jesus. No other God before me. I love you, honey, but I cannot put uh, Jesus, excuse me, my wife before Jesus. I love y'all as a church, but I cannot put y'all before Jesus. I love my mama and my daddy, but I cannot put them above Jesus. I love my sisters and my brothers, but I cannot put them above Jesus. I love my child. Y'all know how crazy I am about baby girl over there. I can't put her before Jesus. Love a son, but I can't put him before Jesus. He's got to be the most valuable person. His ideas and his thoughts must be number one in my life. 
I'm not saying you're not going to have others because you got to say Peter saw what was going on. He saw the people leaving. He saw the people complaining. He heard the complaints. He heard what was going on. John heard it because he wrote about it. People heard about what was happening in the text. It wasn't, he, listen, sometimes when people complain, they tell as many people as they possibly can. I don't know. They'll complain, especially if they think you don't halfway like that person. They won't give you enough ammunition to keep on going. Y'all ain't low. Y'all ain't laying long enough yet. Work inside a place I worked in there, boy. That, boy, I, I seen some of them, boy. They vicious. They are vicious. When you work with people, you can out love them regardless. I, I can say, you better watch it, though. Thank y'all for the five amens, boy. You better watch. I don't, I don't care where you work at. You can work at Heaven University. But you better watch. Well, get out of that. And the third thing, whether or not Simon understood everything, Jesus, excuse me, whether or not Simon understood everything Jesus had just taught, he still believed. And he knew that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. He trusted him. He had confidence in Jesus. It did not shake his confidence. It did not shake his trust. It did not shake his assurance. He believed. He said, I got the word, you got the words of eternal life. You're more valuable than anything or anybody in my life. And you got to still believe. When you do that, you're going to find value in following the omniscient God. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.